Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. We're excited and honored and privileged to be here. Uh, Y'all are beautiful, and this is an amazing church, and we've had such an enjoyment of growing in our partnership with Transformation, which means our partnership with each and every one of you. We indeed um, are, I'm with the AOC, we indeed are an outreach center that is focused on uh, targeting at-risk and vulnerable communities, high-crime communities, and we want to see the love of Christ. We believe, I don't know if y'all believe with me, but we believe with our whole heart that God is the answer to every problem that we face. Amen? Amen. So... We target and reach out to these communities on a weekly basis. Consistency is a huge thing. Reliability is a huge thing. And we want to be consistent in our diligence to reach those that God has called us to reach. My wife and I, you all have this amazing flyer. I would like to know who uh, came up with it because they got more information on me than I know. So that's amazing. Uh, (laughs) But... uh, we, we moved up in 2018 and launched a church on Jeff Davis, Ascend Church, and the, uh, from 2018 to uh, about mid, that's my wife right there walking to her seat. There you go. So about mid-2019, we, we really knew that outreach was our heart, but we didn't know how well, like how the outreach and the church structure itself would mesh together, and God was growing me, then growing our people as we continued to grow to have an understanding of how everything was supposed to play out. How many of y'all, maybe y'all are smarter than me, but God oftentimes leads me with a carrot in the direction he wants me to go so I can just end up, because he can't tell me the full thing because I'd mess it up or just not understand it, amen? So God led me with a carrot to come up from uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. My parents are actually up here today as well from the Outer Banks, and uh, it's just, you know, he moved us up here where I was associate pastor there, moved us up here to start a church because that's what I could understand. And then about mid-2019, he really began to show us that that Sunday structured church is so vital and crucial, but it's not what we were called to do. What we were called to do is establish the AOC, the Ascend Outreach Center. And all of our focus and energy and everything that goes into planning a beautiful Sunday like y'all have here the small groups and all the work throughout the week that goes into that Sunday structure, he wanted us to take all that energy and pour it into targeting and reaching those that are not in church, not in Christ, for whatever reason, and be able to share the love of Jesus with them. Amen? But in that, that's part of the Great Commission, but in that, though, it's not enough just to get people saved. they got to get discipled. Amen? Some of y'all are like, don't talk about that. It's okay, though. we got to get discipled. we got to grow in Christ. You can't just get saved. You have, you have, you have, man, you got to get in your word. You have to allow God to mature you. Get off the milk and onto the steak. I'm going to let you know the steak tastes good, amen? But we have to be able to grow. So in that, if we're targeting the lost, then our partnerships with local churches become such a vital role in what we do because it's not enough for us to begin to reach the lost if we're not bringing them into a structure that can disciple them. So our goal is to be a stepping stone in our community from not with Christ to with Christ to in a Sunday structured church that f- is phenomenal in the, those discipleship pathways. Amen? So that's real quick, just a brief background of where we're at and what we're doing. 
In that process of us transitioning, COVID was a huge thing for us because we saw it catapult all of our outreaches. If you all know, our community is in need now more than it has ever been. And we've had the ability of instead of decreasing in size or holding in, you know, holding stagnant in our placement, that our street-based ministries have doubled or tripled throughout this time. And that includes us transitioning from a Sunday service into a Saturday outreach service like I was sharing with you where we're busing people in. We're seeing people come in and they're giving the life to Christ, which that alone is more than enough, but they're also getting into detoxes and rehabs. We're getting people into housing. We're allowing people to get connected to mental health and trauma and substance abuse counseling. We're seeing their lives not just get touched with, this, uh, with a moment or emotional response to salvation where they find Christ, but then to get on the pathway to see the quality of their life improve because of the foundation they are laying, and that is what we see in James chapter 2. If you come to me and you're naked and I pray for you and tell you to be on your way, that I haven't done enough. And we're able to do this because we have people just like y'all who come out on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, on Saturdays. And when we do single serving events, y'all are there being the hands and feet of Christ, motivated by a love that you experience most likely in the same place they did outside of him. I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, my teenage years were spent doing drugs and partying. And I found Christ after I got married at 18, and I found Christ about 21. And uh, he didn't find me in a church pew. He found me uh, high and suicidal. That's where he met me. Real church. And when God begins to meet you right where you're at, and he loves you right where you're at, and changes you right where you're at. We say he loves you right where you're at. doesn't mean he loves your sin, but he loves you, his creation, right where you're at. But his love is so great that it doesn't leave you the same. When you experience the transformative love of God, I know at least for me, I have no choice but to spend the rest of my life sharing it with others in that same situation. Amen. But there's a lot that goes on with that, and this leads me into the segue of uh, facing victory. I believe in today's time, we are facing so many different things. We're going through so many different situations from, from COVID to division within our nation. We have people who have opinions that they believe are facts, and they will fight like they are. And we're seeing brothers and sisters in Christ go at each other's throats, and we're seeing division. And that's such a huge thing because of the Word of God, man, God has a, he has a special problem with division. Amen? We have so many different directions that we can be facing. But as Christians, we know a secret. Y'all know a secret? Y'all want to hear a secret? As Christians, we know the truth, and the truth is God. That was a praise point. Y'all got to wake up, amen? The truth is that God is God no matter what we're facing. God can take good situations and bad and change them up. I'm going to do a special request. Would you mind turning my mic down just a little bit? I've been told that I yell at people sometimes. I don't want it to come across too loud. The people laughing are the ones telling me this. No. <laughs> Just a little bit, not too much. There you go. So we know that God can literally take any situation that we're facing, whether it be good or bad, and he can do something to it. He can use it. We say that God can take our mess and turn it into a message. How many of y'all got a mess that God took and turned into a message of his glory? Amen. I just want to make sure I'm not in a church full of perfect people because I promise you this, I won't fit in. So we're going to start off in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, and we know, praise God, I'm going to come out my Bible because I cannot see the screen. 
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's a good scripture right there, amen? You can just say that, just, man, God works all things good. You're, you're loved according to his purpose. It's going to be okay. But I think as Christians, too often we fall short in our true understanding of this in respect to the fact that it says that he works all things. I think too often we try to present God with our best things. Like if I give God my best things and if my situations look good, God can take those and do good things with them. Now this leads to an unhealthy relationship with God where we're trying to hide our bad things from him. Or we're not embracing the conflict in life. We're just trying to give God the good things and then we only attribute God the good things when it's good. But God's saying, no, that's not my recipe. How many of y'all cook? Okay, I don't cook. How many of y'all eat? Amen, that's right. We're Christian. So <laughs> but he says that we know that God causes all things to work together. All things is the recipe. But we try to deny God the ingredients. We hold back, thinking that if a situation doesn't look good to us, it couldn't be from God. I'll tell you this, my situation sitting in my garage suicidal, high, me just drinking, and, and, and my marriage falling apart. We got married at 18. We uh, were not in Christ. We were, our marriage was expedited by the uh, birth of our first child. We were not in Christ. We fought horribly. It was toxic. And I'm sitting in my garage trying everything I could. I was a kid, amen? How many of y'all know some 18-year-olds that are still kids? How many know some 30-year-olds that are still kids, amen? And I was done. To me, the situation looked bad. To God, that situation looked good, amen, because I was finally done. I was finally at a point that I could no longer try to make it work on my own. We have a very limited understanding of what we face in life, and that becomes unhealthy when we try to face things in life on our own. We see a situation for what it is in the moment. I read a story about, uh, it was uh, actually about 9-11, and uh, it was, you know, just a, I don't know if it was true or not, but the hypothetical works just as well. Man was on his way to work that morning to the trade tower. And he got a flat tire, end up on the side of the road. And he was livid. He had important meetings and all kinds of stuff to do. And then the events of that day unfolded. We have such a limited understanding of what's good and what's bad. However, that does not stop us from putting labels on it. We see COVID and we say, this is bad. Amen. Does it have some bad in it? Yeah. But can God use it? If we offer it to him, it's all things. And he can begin to shake things up and begin to th see things move. How many of y'all believe that we need to have a little bit of revival in our community? How many of y'all believe we need revival in our churches? How many of y'all know? I'm going to tell you this. The Western, the Western Christian-based church has gotten good at having church with or without God. We've gotten good at it. God said, all right, watch this. Let me make everything stop. So you got to come back to me. COVID bad? Amen, it is bad. Are people dying? Amen. I don't care what like, people's different opinions about it. You can't tell me it's not bad. It's a bad thing, whatever regard. But it's a bad thing that we should be offering to God, amen? It's a bad situation. We should give to God and say, God, I believe you, and I know you can take this. I know that you can take all things and begin to work them for your good according to, according to your purpose. Not mine, but your purpose. That's one of the issues. When we begin to face situations in our life that don't go along with our purpose, then we start labeling them good or bad. God's saying, I want you to pay attention to my purpose, not yours. You're limited in your understanding. You see the moment. You're trying to interpret the past, and you've got no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But I am yesterday, today, and forever, and my view is not limited. So trust in God, not in what you 
can perceive. We agree with it, but do we live it out? When we're facing all the different situations that we go through in life, do we face them facing the victory that we have in God? Or do we face them with complaints and our our broken interpretations and the lenses that we have that do not reflect the God that we serve? Do we understand that God can take anything we offer him and if we truly submit it to him, he can work miracles with it. How do I, I, am I so confident in that? It leads us into Romans, uh, we're going to continue in this chapter, in chapter 8, 31 through 35. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? That was another praise point, where y'all at? If God is for me, who can be against me, amen? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a change against God's elect? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, amen? He Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised? Come on. Who is at the right hand of God? who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation, will distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So I want to hit the beginning, but I'm going to hit the end first of that part right there. When I say all things, you better believe I'm not talking about a brand new car. You better believe I'm not talking about that raise or that relationship or this or that. I'm talking about the things that he's called according to his purposes. Like you think the world can stop God's people from doing what God's people have been purposed to do? You think, you think that we can begin to do something so devastatingly wrong that God can't use us anymore? I'm going to let you know right now, if you're struggling with that, you feel like, I can fill a seat, but you better believe I can't hit the street. I'm a, you're, you're wrong. You need to start giving it back to God. You need to start turning it over and submitting it to him and realizing that he can use all things for his purposes. He can turn them good. He can take the brokenness and make it whole. How do I know? Because he says... For, God, for he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. I'm going to let you know, I get a little narcissistic with that. Is that okay? Because when I say us all, I really mean me. Like, like, like God didn't spare his own son, but he sent himself wrapped in flesh, the hypostatic union, 100% man, 100% God, to live a life of example, perfection, without sin, face, facing temptation, to turn himself over, to be beaten beyond recognition. To shed his blood to pay for the penalty of my sin. My sin. Like God died for me. And I love it because it says, not just he who died, but he who was raised. And in that resurrection, I have new life. Take all things, all things, the ingredients, the good, the bad, the melancholy. What does it say? The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? He takes all of it. And I, you believe me, I forgot a little bit of good and a whole lot of bad. And God took that in my moment, in my situation, with everything I was facing, with all of my brokenness, without getting myself clean first. He took me right where I was at and said, you are mine. I have died for you, Romans 5, 8. While I was useless to him, he decided to display his love to us that I may be saved. 
And you better believe, if he can save me, I'm going to spend the rest of my life testifying that he can save anyone else because I know where I was at. Paul said, chief of sinners, I said, Paul, that was your time. Welcome to my time. Let's go. And God meets us right there in all things. How many of you are some all things in your life? Like you got good, you growing, you're not where you used to be, but you know you still got areas that need development. That need, you, need, you need God to keep on working on you. That's called the process of sanctification. That from the moment we're saved, he, man, he, he saves us. We have, we have that justification, but then we live out a process that will not be fulfilled until the moment that, that we are standing in glory with God. It means your whole life should be spent becoming more like him and less like you. And then if you believe it, like if, you, if you know, like, I don't deserve salvation. How many of y'all know that? Y'all just met me. How do you know? <laughs> I don't deserve salvation. How many of y'all would agree with me you don't deserve salvation? See, that's a praise point. That's not a condemnation thing. That's a, that's a I'm going to celebrate. I don't, serve sal- I don't deserve salvation. Praise God. Because I didn't get it off of what I did. I got it off of what he did. I didn't have to be it. He was it for me. I couldn't get myself right. He made me right through him. He shed his blood. He was the sacrifice that I couldn't pay. They said the wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. I stand before a righteous God, even in this moment, outside of the sacrifice of Christ. If I spend my whole life spreading the gospel of Jesus, and I don't have salvation in Jesus, I still deserve hell. That gets me excited, though. That makes me feel pretty bad. Good. Feel bad. That's conviction, not condemnation. Conviction that allows us to awaken to our errors and turn back, to turn away, to have a change of mind and go back to God. Embrace the conviction and then take it as encouragement. That you don't deserve salvation. And the more that you're willing to admit that, the more you're able to lay down pride and self and humble yourself before the Lord, and the more he's able to use you. And in that moment, a fire is ignited inside of us where we truly realize that without Christ, I face judgment that would lead me to eternal separation from God. We trip about the flames. That's what I don't want. I don't want that eternal separation from God. And then we realize that without him, that's what we would deserve. And when we realize that, and then we connect it to the fact that Jesus died for us, not that we would be saved by works that any man could boast, but that we would be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Like, we don't do it. He already did it. We just receive it, and then we walk it out. And when we realize that, and it truly clicks, not just in our brain, but in our heart, our lives cannot be lived the same. Because then we look around at the devastation in our communities, the devastation in our workplaces, in our schools. We look around and we see all the turmoil, all the sin, all the people dying on a daily basis, not knowing the good news of Jesus. And we are left with nothing but motivation to see the same transformation, shameless name plug, same transformation that we've experienced in our life, and theirs. It begins to change our perspective of how we see the brokenness in our world. We no longer get personally offended because we know our life is not ours anyway, it's God's. He paid for it. We begin to see the brokenness in our, in our community. We see the brokenness. Y'all can just look at Facebook. Go to Walmart. You're going to see some brokenness. Amen? That's why, that's why I only go to Target. Stop it. Don't avoid the mission field. 
We see the brokenness, but instead of being discouraged, we get excited. You ever ask, uh, uh, praise God, Christy and Jenny are two of my motel ministry leads. Say hi. Hi. Amen. Three people are excited about y'all. Christy's husband is an EMT. He's not with us today. He had to go fight fires, and he's a firefighter and an EMT. And it's funny, though, because that kind of position, that kind of job, you ever ask someone, y'all, you been busy? That's a loaded question. If I'm not busy, I lose my job. If I am busy, people are hurt. You start getting a sort of excitement about, like, fires. It's not safe. That's why I'm not a firefighter. I get excited about fires. But in the same way, we as Christians should experience the same feeling. Like we see, oh, that's a drug house? I'm excited. Because now I know right where I need to go to share the gospel of Jesus. Oh, we're in Walmart and that couple is fighting and they're doing horrible things right in Walmart. It's Walmart, believe me, it happens. That's okay. I'm going to go share the love of Jesus with them. Oh, okay, so this homeless dude's going to ask for some money. Silver and gold I don't have. What I have, I give you. Jesus. Our perspective should begin to shift because we've experienced something we could never earn. You get a job, you get a promotion, you work really hard, you feel like you've earned those things. It becomes easy to cut off, build walls and cut people out of that. I don't need to help them. I, my, for my bootstraps, I, I pick myself up for my bootstraps, which is physically impossible. Pick myself up for my bootstraps. If you don't believe me, get some boots on, try to pick yourself up from them. But with Christ, we can't have that mentality. Our salvation is based in humility. When we receive Christ, we admit that we are broken and in desperate, in desperate need for him every moment of every day. That nothing should pass without him in our presence. We say, God, I can't get this right without you and I need you in my life. I need you in my life so desperately that without you I am dead in my transgressions. But your word said that you will bring me back to life. Give me a new life. Renew my mind. Begin to take my heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. God, you have a purpose and a calling. I've been wasting it up until this point. But God, I'm submitting it to you. You paid for it. It's yours, Lord. When we really believe that, begins to change the direction that we face. That no matter what the world looks like, we approach it differently. We see brokenness, and to us it's opportunity. I can only, I can only begin to imagine that that's what God saw with me. For better or worse, he saw this young, dumb knucklehead. It's like he's just broken enough to admit that, you know, that he needs me, and I can use that. You feel unqualified? Amen. You're not. But he's not looking for you to have the skill sets. He's looking for you to have the humility and obedience. That we can humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I am laying down my dreams, my goals, my ambitions before you because before you I was dead. I'm not coming to you for salvation to get my ticket out of hell. I'm coming to you for salvation saying here is my life. It is no longer mine. You have paid for it. What your will is is now mine. Well, your purpose for me is, is now what I will pursue. I want nothing less than the things that you have planned for me. But instead, too often, we go to God like, thank you for salvation. I'm not going to hell. Here are my goals. Co-sign them. Then we wonder why we spin tires the rest of our life chasing a pursuit of happiness when we were not called to have happiness. We're called to have the, the man. We're called to have joy. 
Paul said, content in all things, a little or a lot. Do writing from prison. He still has the joy of Holy Spirit because it's not based on what's around him. It's based on what's inside of him. The Holy Spirit living in him, the indwelling spirit of God inside of him produces the fruit of joy that makes him not be, not be, man, you're not a thermometer. Thermometers adjust based on the temperature around him. You're a thermostat. Thermostats adjust the temperature around them. Like it doesn't matter what the world's doing or what people are doing. I know who I am and I won't settle for less. I will live my life on fire for my God because he pulled me out the grave and gave me a new life and he can do the same for you. When we begin to fall short of understanding this perspective when we just settle for a golden ticket out of hell, then we settle for a life short of God. He didn't save you to sit on a pew. He didn't save you to sit on a sofa. He didn't save you just to talk about, oh, God's so good. No. If you really believe it, every ounce of it that led you to salvation, then you know that you've been mandated. Talked about some mandates. Nah, you haven't been mandated. You've been commissioned. To go to nation and nation, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach him to obey all things he has commanded. Behold, he'll be with us to the end of the age. Commission. No one is excluded from a ministry of reconciliation. You don't get to say, I'm not good at that. Amen, you're not, but God is. Let him use you. You don't get to say, well, I'm, I'm just going to stay over here with all my Christian friends in my corner over here. There's a big stage left, amen? Why do we partition ourselves off from the pain and the, and the persecution that we would face if we would just step into God? When God has called us and he said, look, what's going to separate you from me? Will it be tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What's going to cause you to compromise who I've called you to be? A world is dying right now and going to hell. You have the only answer. Before COVID, we're serving about 100, 120 plates of food a week to the motels along Jeff Davis. After COVID hit, we're up to what, almost 300? 300, yeah. Amen. No, but if I ask either one of my leads or anyone who in here who has volunteered from Transformation, who's going out with our teams? Who goes out with our teams? Let me see. Y'all are beautiful. I love it. Ask any one of them. They don't get excited about the food. It's not about the food. We're not Grubhub. We're not DoorDash. It's about the fact that we're utilizing a very simple thing like you got to eat to the very important thing like you need Jesus. And because we understand that I'm going to meet you in your brokenness, just like God leads me at the carrot, we leave them at the hot plate. And we say, look, you need Jesus. I can feed you today, but you're going to be hungry tomorrow. Let me introduce you to the living water that will leave you never thirsting again. And when we begin to live our life like that, sharing the gospel every second, man, just, I don't care what you achieve. Your job, your legacy, your bank account when you leave this earth, the house that you bought, the cars that you own. Your position doesn't matter. When you stand before God, he's saying, you are one of my talents. Did you bury me in a hole or did you go out and multiply my kingdom? Did you share the gospel and, and see it multiplied? But God, no, I know that you're a hard God. So I just, I just put, I put my salvation in this hole and I have my personal faith. I didn't call you to have personal faith. I called you to go out and share my gospel. The good news of Jesus, because there's people who are dying that I put in your pathway. And if you didn't speak my name, and you maybe, maybe you just did feed them. You didn't fix their problem. So I people getting healed. I grew up in the hospital. I have a severe bleeding disorder. I almost died eight times. 
uh, bleeding out. Like they said, you know, he's bleeding so much that if he doesn't stop, we can't pump blood back in him fast enough. It's a fun conversation, right? I have no idea I was passed out at the time, so it doesn't matter to me. God healed me. I'm here, obviously, although this would be super awkward. But you know what I'm still going to face is death. I'm still going to die. Like, look around. <laughs> Do I need to say it? Like, y'all get it, right? If I give you food today, like, how, let's be real. Can we be real? So we have a thing we say real church. It means that we don't fake it. It doesn't mean that, like, we're just real. But it means that, in generally speaking, this is not a costume party. We should be authentic and real. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of y'all would love to go home and find like a $10,000 check in your, in your mailbox? All right, pass the offering plate. No, I'm joking. You know what, though? That's not going to fix your problems. Because if you're like, I really need money, you probably don't need money. You probably need finance training. Real church? You begin to, you begin, I'm sick and I need to be, you're not healed. You're just postponing death. What I'm getting at here is there's only one thing that truly matters, and that's what happens after your last breath. Where do you end up after your last breath? And then when you stand and take account for your life, and God has given you this gift of salvation, and you stand to take account for that life lived, how would you have spent your life? But God, I acquired all this on earth. He said, yeah, you know what? It's all gone. You can't take it with you. Where's your U-Haul at? But it's really good things, amen. It's good things, but like, if you have cancer, and I offer you NyQuil, NyQuil is a good thing. But it won't help you. Might make you go to sleep, but it won't help you. So why do we offer people good things and not the, amen. Say it louder. Best thing, amen. Why do we settle for a life doing good things instead of a life sharing the good news that actually impacts eternity, not just the present? We can build a lot of really good things, or we can spend our life multiplying a kingdom that will last for all eternity. Who will separate us? And that's my question for you. Who, what will separate you? What will you allow separate you from your identity in Christ and who you've called to be? What are you settling for? What are you compromising for? What is keeping you in this position when God is calling you to go out there and evangelize to the lost and begin to reach them or to live your life on fire? Maybe there's an issue just inside of you. Like you can go to church every Sunday, but that doesn't mean you don't have problems still, amen? But sometimes we get really good at hiding our problems. That's one thing I love about doing street ministry is if I go up to a prostitute or to someone with bleeding track marks, they don't lie to me about their situation. You go into a white-collar situation, they're going to lie to you. They're going to act like they got it all together. Y'all, how many of y'all on Instagram? Let me see before I use it. Amen. I got enough people. Instagram, you go on there. It's all a highlight reel of life. Going to church's Instagram. You're going to think every church is a mega church because they're going to like take very close-up photos. They had five people in service. It's a highlight reel. Too often Christians put on that mask of a highlight reel. How are you doing? I'm too blessed to be stressed. No, you're not. Be quiet. You're like a duck. You're sitting still and calm on top, but you are panicking underneath. Why do we feel like we got to fake that? That fakeness separates us from God and who we're called to be. I'm going to let you know right now. I'm broken and I need Jesus. Amen? I'm not perfect and I fall short. Amen? If you put me on a pedestal, I'm going to hang myself with it. It's not going to work out well. And if we could become honest and authentic, then we'd just be living out what God already knows. And then we say, look, I'm broken. And that might encourage you to say you're broken. And now we're all broken before God. And God's like, I already knew. I've been waiting for y'all just to admit it so I could help you. 
What will you allow separate you? How many of y'all are dealing with something right now? How many of y'all got, got, you got sin in your life right now that no one knows about because you put on clothes and you put on a smile and you talk about Jesus and you know the motions, but you got stuff that you're struggling with that no one knows about? I see it every day. People look, you got beautiful people, amen? But they whitewash tombs. You got marriages falling apart. You got phones and computers riddled with porn. You have that social drinking becoming alcoholism. You got drugs and addiction tearing people down and killing them. I'm not talking about on Jeff Davis. I'm talking about in churches on Sunday. This is the place where we get to be honest and authentic, where we can admit that we struggle. We can be real about going through. Because right here, this should be our, we live in an age of safe places. They got it wrong. This is the place where we should be able to fall at our knees at the altar and cry out to God because he's the only one who can really handle it anyway. Where we should begin to just say, God, I'm tired of carrying this burden and you called me to exchange my burden for yours because yours is light, Lord. What are people going to, I don't care what people are going to think. I'm going to be real about who I am and where I'm at because that's how God loves me. And the longer I lie about it, the longer I hold it back from him changing it. Our altars should be saturated in the tears of the saints that are crying out to a God who will walk them with grace through the process of sanctification. And we should not hold back and hold our tongue in fear that someone will think differently of us. Let them think differently of you. If they have you on a pedestal and you admit that you're broken, maybe you're encouraging them to admit they're broken too. They don't feel like they got to fake it anymore. And we don't need a fake church. We need a real church. We need God's elect, God's saints, the holy priesthood to rise up. We need a great and vast army as, as Elijah looked out into the valley of dry bones and he saw the empty graves. He said, God said, I'm raising up a great and vast army. Not fake people. People ready for battle. We can't go to battle unless we're being real. Romans 37, that's where we'll be closing. But in all these things, we, are, we overwhelmingly conquer. I like that. That's a 50-cent word right there. I like it. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him. I'm going to hit it. I got to hit it. Can I hit it? I might add one more minute to my sermon. I'm going to hit it, though. This is where we mess it up so much. I am more than a conqueror. No, you're not. Through him, you overwhelmingly conquer. That's your issue. You go in the battle talking about Jesus, but not fighting with Jesus. You're going in the battle talking about, I'm a Christian. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the head and not the tail. Be quiet. You're broken and need him. You're the, probably the reason you're in the situation. But through him, we overwhelmingly conquer. If we put Jesus first, we let him lead the way. We submit to him. We stop trying to fight it on our own. But we realize that God alone is the one who's called to fight our battles. We just have to show up and be obedient to him. Humble ourselves before him and say, God, I don't have it. I need you to. I'm going to let you know a lie. It does not say in Scripture that he won't give you more than you can handle. No. Nope. It talks about temptation. That's a totally different conversation. God will give you more than you can handle. I pray he does. I feel like if you feel like your walk is just perfect and you don't have more than you can, you just I'm good to go. I don't even need to hear this message. Amen, Pastor, for coming out, but I don't need you today. I pray you got more. I pray that God releases more than you can handle in your life. Because it's in that moment that we would, we would think is bad that God calls good. Because that means that we have to hand it back over to him. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing separates us from his love. That means we don't have to lie about anything. We don't have to fake anything. We don't have to act like we got it all together because nothing will separate us from his love. And then we're facing that kind of victory, the one that we only have through Christ. Then it begins to change the way we see our community. It begins to put a fire in us that, man, it, it fuels us so much that we refuse to let the rocks cry out praises. I won't let a rock praise God for me. And when we have that fire inside of us, then we are motivated to share the only thing in life that matters, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same gospel that offered us salvation despite not deserving it. We get a fire inside of us to go out to these streets, go out to your workplaces, and realize that being a missionary doesn't mean you have stamps in your passport. It means that you are living not of this world, right in your community. I have been placed here as a missionary. Look to your neighbor, God, say, you're a missionary. You're a missionary. Right here, right now, you're a missionary. What are you doing on your mission? That's like, imagine if you're, and I love, man, um, y'all are, you're part of the Baptist Convention, correct? Amen. Baptist Convention does amazing. The Baptist Convention is very big on supporting worldwide missions. Amen. Amen. Could you imagine supporting a worldwide mission, like supporting someone who's in another world, third world country, and they're doing, they're there to do mission work, to share, to share Jesus. Instead, they start their own business and they become really rich and live a, lux, a, a lifestyle of luxury. You kind of be upset about that. And you are investing in it. Like you are their capital fund. You know what I'm saying? You, you want me too pleased. Is God pleased with what we're doing? If we are missionaries right here in our community, are we using it to build our own castle or multiply his kingdom? What are we doing? If we face victory, then we have this motivation inside of us to share the gospel to everyone we have the opportunity to share it with. At the end of the day, that is our ultimate goal because that's what we've been commissioned to do. What is your ministry of reconciliation? To bring people back into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Good. That way you won't get in the way when God leads you to do it. But you have to rely on him. What will you allow to separate you from God? Paul goes through and talks about how nothing's going to separate us from his love. So I want to encourage you with this. No matter what you're facing personally in your life right now, you are not outside of the love of God. But I deeply encourage you to present it to God. Do not hide it behind a fake smile. Do not allow a day to go by any longer. You don't have to leave this room the same as you came in. Whether it's a little thing or a big thing, if there's a part of your life that you have held back. Maybe it's pain or unforgiveness. Maybe it's frustration or anger. Maybe it's you just feel like, man, I, I, can, I can put on a good face, but I am falling apart inside. Whatever it is, God loves you right where you're at. But his love is special. It doesn't leave us the same. When we receive that love, it begins to push out the fear and begins to transform us from the inside out. You have a choice to make. Leave this room as if, you know, it was a good sermon, amen. Worship was better. I, I agree, they're amazing. But, you know, it just wasn't for me. I'm not ready. Or leave this room and say, you know what, God, I'm tired of carrying this burden that's crushing me. 
tired of feeling like my walls are caving in. I'm tired of feeling like I can't breathe. I need you, Lord. And I'm tired of faking it. I encourage you to go with the latter option. God wants to meet you right where you're at. With the ups and the downs, it's all part of his recipe to work things good. You are called and loved, and he has a purpose for you. Don't settle for anything less. Amen. Father God, we praise you. God, we love you. God, we uh, thank you for loving us right where we're at. Lord, we thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ alone. By no other name are we saved. They sung the song, Lord, earlier. What a beautiful name it is. I, I, I pray, Father, that they don't remember me. I, don't, I pray they don't remember the AOC. I pray that if they're only to remember one thing, it is the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that that would become a tick for them, that every time they face a situation, that would be the name that comes out of their mouth. That would be their response. Devastating news, Jesus. Amazing news, Jesus. They would start surrendering every part of their life over to you, God. They would use Jesus like a punctuation point in a sentence. Because at the end of the day, God, whatever we know is processed through the lens of Jesus. God, I pray you would have our way with us. Soften our hearts. Allow us to receive and be, God, just allow us to become, apply your word to become, your word to become something that we live out in our life, God. That we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers. We would allow you to move, move in us, move through us, to use us, God, to reach the loss, to disciple the found and to send them out to do it again. God, I pray right now that if anyone in here is struggling, at whatever capacity, that they would stop settling for a struggle, stop facing the problem, and they would begin to face the victory that we have already won through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray right now that if anyone is struggling, I would like to be able to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I want to better respect y'all's COVID regulations and guidelines. But I'm going to ask this with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you need Jesus to handle something in your life right now, would you raise your hand? Don't look around. Just raise your, raise your hand. If you need God to move, if you have a mountain, if you have a giant, if you have an obstacle, you need God to take care of, would you pick your hands, both hands up? Not that you're raising them to me to notify me, but you're raising them to him to glorify and praise him. Because from this point forward, you're going to stop fighting in the flesh. You're going to fight in the spirit. And your fight comes through your worship. Your fight comes through your prayer, through reading your word. You're going to begin to praise God. Even though it seems bad, God, you're going to work it to good. If you would, just put both hands up and begin to thank Jesus for hand the victory he has already won. Thanking God for being who he is despite who we are right now. With your hands raised, I want you to let go. Let go of trying to fix it on your own. You are not the conqueror. He is. Overwhelmingly more than conquer through him, not you. What is your response? Jesus. Whether your hands are raised or not, I want you to say that name, Jesus. I want you to say it like you, like you know who I'm talking about, Jesus. I want you to say it like he's delivered you from situations, Jesus. I want you to say it louder like you're declaring it over everything that enemy would love to see you fall victim to. You're reminding them who you belong to, Jesus. Jesus. That is a beautiful name, and it's in that name we have salvation.
God, thank you for saving us, for meeting us where we're at, and for each person who's admitting that they are sick and need you. Lord, I pray that you would be their breakthrough. Break through their flesh, break through their self, and then break through the situation. God, call them into a deeper relationship. God, I pray right now for those who want to raise their hands, but they're afraid to. For whatever reason that's holding them back, I pray you would break those chains of fear and allow your perfect love to cast it out. God, have your way. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.